This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. It is good to be back home here inside the friendly confines of the posh designer studio that the blaze installed for us here last fall i am steve dace he is todd erzin he is aaron mcintyre we have a lot going on here on the program today gentlemen good to see you good again to see you. yeah thank you for holding on the fort while i was in nashville over the weekend that was a very productive trip dude the country music hall of fame looks amazing it is and, and and there's a little side trip that you take with it um to rca studio b if you ever go down there it's only an hour, all right? And and go on the weekends when a guy, Ron, is the tour guide, right? Because they rotate him. And this Ron guy, uh, we read the Yelp reviews and everybody going back like years talking about how great this Ron guy was. And he does, does it on the weekends and he does it just for fun. Doesn't need a job. He just loves the music and the history and literally does it for fun. And it was, I mean, it was, that was probably the highlight of the whole Hall of Fame was heading over to the studio there where um, so many great, country stars, everybody from Waylon Jennings to Willie Nelson, and then some of the greatest names in the history of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, for example. This was his pet recording studio after Sun Records. I mean, just so much history there. That was kind of cool. We had a good time. We had a good time there. Uh, the wife and I's plan this year for vacation, last year for our 25th wedding anniversary, we did a, a Vegas vacation. This year, what we decided to do is we're going to, we came up with a list of, hall of halls of fame that we each have wanted to, to visit. Uh, she picked two and I picked two. And we just have a lot of the same interests, so it kind of worked out. So uh, she picked the Country Music Hall of Fame uh, in Nashville. And since I had to be there for business this weekend, we decided to get that one out of the way. And then uh, she picked the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You guys know I picked the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta and the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. All right, so we'll do those later in the year. Uh, and, the, and the College Football or the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are only like an hour apart. So we'll do those all probably like in one weekend later this summer. But uh, went down there. First and foremost, the most important reason I went down there was to be a part of an extraordinary broadcast that's going to air on Blaze TV, I believe, tomorrow. And I don't know how they're going to fit this all in. I mean, there's a, they, we filmed about four hours of content. Not kidding. With this, uh, this vaccine special that Jason Whitlock, our colleague, put together. And... I mean, we had, I got to meet John Stockton. Yeah, I couldn't believe the pictures yeah. you were sending I mean, back. Robert like, F. Kennedy Jr. was there. Um, what was the name of the NBA official? Longtime NBA official. You would know the name. As soon as I said it, you would know the name. All right. And when, when you walked in, you were like, pick the guy who's the NBA official, and you knew it right away. All right. Thin, wiry, slick back hair, you knew it right away. All right. Um, but I mean, the, the uh, Senator Johnson from your former home, home state, mm -hmm. your former home state, easy for me to say, was there. I mean, this was a jam-packed house. Chris Singleton, former Major League Baseball player from ESPN, was there. Mm. Um, I know I'm missing some names, but I mean, this was, this was quite the gathering. And 
Uh, Jason and I interviewed both Senator Johnson and RFK Jr. And I got to tell you, listening, uh, listening to RFK Jr. talk about the assassinations of his uncle and his brother, both publicly and privately, or uh, uncle and his father, both publicly and privately, was just yeah one of the most extraordinary moments of my entire life, frankly. I don't know how else to describe it. All right. I mean, one of the things he told us is that his father... Um, was actually aware of the garrison investigation in New Orleans and had one of his associates keep tabs on it and see if it uncovered anything for future reference. But he was very reticent. Uh, he went into a mourning period for a few years. He was very reticent to comment on his um, uh, skepticisms of Hoover and the Warren Commission. He told, me, he told me that the first phone call his father made after... Hoover called him to say your brother is dead is he called the guy at the CIA who over who oversaw the Bay of Pigs invasion and said did your people do this oh that was the first phone call he made from the house and uh he said when his when his dad was running for president uh he was at a national candidate symposium in support of like uh America's junior colleges community colleges and there was a Q&A portion and a gentleman gets up and asks him if you are elected president would you reopen the Warren Commission in light of the Garrison investigation in New Orleans and what it uncovered? And that was the first and only time that his father commented and explained his skepticism of the Warren Commission and said, yes, and, and, and said, absolutely, yes, was his answer. And that a week later, he was dead. There was clearly something, and again, having watched JFK again recently, mm-hmm. and I, the comparisons only go so far. They're clearly different men. But there is clearly something Trumpian about JFK, mm-hmm. the existence of him in the, as in the president. In many respects. And yep. th- Peccadillo's threat- urges, but threatening uh, uh, giving the zero system. Fs, threatening the system. Yes. Yeah, the full compilation. I know that Trump has gone for, has purposefully gone for Nixon comparisons. Mm-hmm. I mean, his first inaugural address, the I, I alone can solve, is right out of Nixon's 68 convention speech. All right. And there's been a lot of comparisons, the law and order, kind of big government Republican, right? But in totality, there's actually a, probably a lot more along the line of what you're talking about there. I mean, both on and off the field, yeah. so to speak. So to speak. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's a, and it was just fascinating, you know. And I, I told uh, RFK Jr. I said, listen, when I got into this business, frankly, you, know, you weren't in. When I got into this business, I just knew you as an environmentalist attorney. When I got into this business, it was frankly to defeat people like you. Okay. And if you would have gone back and told me uh, 10 or 11, 10, 11 years ago, when we broke, when I broke away from HO, WHO to start a national show that, you know, I would, I, I would, in, I would come to a fork in the road where a period of time would go by that I would more favorably share with my audience and cite and quote Bill Maher and Russell Brand over national review. I'd have said you're on crack cocaine and, you know, put down the pipe, but yet, here we are, mm-hmm. you know, so the conversation with him on and off the air was incredible. But uh, that entire I'd have no idea how they're going to turn that into a show. I mean, we filmed three to four hours of content straight up and all of it was was 
breathtaking. I, make sure you catch that when it airs this week over on the Fearless side here on Blaze TV because that, and I only had a part of it. Uh, I helped uh, interview Ron Johnson and RFK Jr. And then I gave kind of the closing statement, but there's a lot of content and interviews that uh, Jason did uh, there uh, on his own with lots of other people. I would, would really urge you to make sure you do not miss it here on Blaze TV when it comes out later this week, maybe even as soon as tomorrow. I think I had heard Tuesday or Wednesday. And then I figured while I'm already there doing that, there's a lot of contacts we have in that area. Nashville is an easy place to fly in and out of, right? Let's go ahead and let's do a couple of screenings of Nefarious, one Friday and one Saturday, and uh, see who wants to come and get some more reaction. And I got to tell you, the well, first of all, getting getting a positive review from Jason Whitlock might be the the sternest test yet because dude is the reverse Mikey who when we were kids would try anything he likes nothing like he didn't like Top Gun walks out of movies frequently the minute the minute he loses his attention and his board he literally will get up and just walk out does it all the time all right so getting a seven from him out of ten when he told me that he rates Pulp Fiction an eight I'll take that. Yeah. I'm, I, I mean, dude, I'm, I'm fine. I'm I'm fine being in the same batting lineup with that film. Okay. If, if, if we're in the same, and, hit, and given who the, the umpire of this particular ball game is, I'm happy just to be on the field. All right. Um, but the, 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 the reaction that we had, I mean, I, I, I had, um, you know, I had Chad Connolly, who's probably listening right now, who's the former faith outreach director for the Republican National Committee came up and gave me a huge hug after the movie, basically saying that that is the throat punch basically that we needed. Do you guys remember the award-winning pro-life film that I was in a few years ago that we promoted here on this show, the order of rights movie. Yep. Yeah. Those guys, the brothers that made that film came down from uh, the, I think the Baltimore area to, to see the movie in Nashville and they were blown away. And then one of them just sent me a text again, man, you guys fired every bullet in the chamber. You guys fired every single one. I hope it finds an audience. You know, um, it was, uh, uh, comedian Brad Stein who lives in the area came to see it. I mean, he was visibly moved at the end. Like, I mean, I, I, I could, he, had, he, had, he was a little choked up when he came and talked to me afterwards. And it was really about, he was happy to see, he, he how did he put it? You guys actually made a sophisticated, gritty powerful message film the likes of which frankly within faith-based filmmaking we're told we aren't permitted to make that our audiences won't support and you guys are trying to break the mold man and i freaking loved it okay and how you did it and um i mean the reaction was just uh powerful overwhelming to get people's reactions um i think i might have liked i, I think I lo- our colleague jill savage you know how high her, her expectations were? She's like, I think you might have actually exceeded my expectations. And I, and I think, he, again, let me just reiterate. All right. It's a $3 million movie. So everybody slow your roll. All right. We didn't make Braveheart. Okay. We didn't make Apollo 13. We didn't make The Empire Strikes Back. We didn't make Return of the King. Okay. What we did do, though, is make a small budget horror film with 
real terror, not made up stuff with effects and makeup, but in the presence of real evil that will make you unsettled. It'll feel unnatural. I heard that a lot. I was not comfortable sitting in his presence. That's Boom. that's exactly mm-hmm. why is, we made folks. the film. Yes. And um, in the presence of real evil, um, using storytelling devices and tropes that have often been used against us. And now we turn the tables and use it to good. And the best piece of feedback we have received about this film yet, I'm going to be sharing with you in the next few days. I can't do it quite yet. All right. But this is, this is my favorite feedback because it affirms everything that we have tried to do with this movie. But, uh, I mean, people were just uh, moved powerfully by the film and the message that it sends, um, albeit without being a traditional faith-based Christian movie. It's not preachy. If anybody's preachy, it's the left-wing guy is preachy, if anybody is, at any point in the film. But um, to see evil fully displayed and exposed and confronted in a culture that is doing everything it possibly can to pretend it seems like DeMar Hamlin collapsed on Monday Night Football like 10 years ago. It was two weeks ago today, right? Yeah. Any previous era of America, time would have stopped with a moment like that. We just moved on. It's the joke we were saying a couple of years ago with the, now they want to tell us that UFOs are real and we can't even be bothered. Yeah. That, that would have caused mass rioting, you know, panic in the streets. Okay, Pentagon just came out with another report just this last weekend, over 100 sightings that it cannot explain that clearly is not from technology of this world. Of this world. Did you even hear about this? Did you even know until I just mentioned it a second ago? No. It, it, it can't be bothered. And so what we're going to let Nefarious do is exactly what he does in the book. He is going to grab you by the friggin' throat and clench hard and squeeze hard to make you believe, to make you pay attention, to make you hear whether you want to or not. And so here we go. We should have final word on a release date here soon, maybe as soon as this week. And then we're off, man. So it was, it was really cool. Um, one of Jason Stafford's Christian, one of his producers came up to me afterwards and he's like, man, I was, you know, I'm so moved by this movie. Can I come back and see it again tomorrow and bring my wife with me? I was like, absolutely, man. Bring the whole family if you want, you know? So it was cool to get those kinds of reactions to the movie for sure. I quote Admiral uh, Pike, I dare you to do better. Yeah, maybe you can. I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure it can be done, but we wanted to raise the bar on the kinds of storytelling our people do in cinema. And by the way, it's not a new bar. It's where the bar is supposed to be the yeah. whole time. It's yeah. not like guys like J.R. Tolkien and Clive Staples Lewis don't exist. Correct. All right. This is the story. This is the way we are supposed to be telling our stories the whole time. We are we are the people with the greatest story ever told. Yes. We spent decades burying those talents under the sand. Yes, we did. And the Lord gives each of us a story. That's our own testimony. When the Lord came in human form, he spent most of his time telling what? Parables. Stories. Yes. Parables. Stories. He gave us the greatest story ever told, the greatest bestseller ever written. He gave us all a story to share our own testimonies. When he came himself, he spent much of his time teaching in the form of stories. Why? Because story is the one 
place in any culture. And in this one, probably the last refuge left where true persuasion can occur, where, where the true piercing of the hardened heart can happen, where the true bypassing of personal agendas and narratives can take place. And the enemy knows this. That's why he took over the storytelling sectors of this culture. And just as when we started this show 12 years ago now, be 12 years ago next month, we started this show and our goal was to use the talent and abilities that God gave us to do whatever we could to bring a biblical worldview back into the mainstream of American media. However big or not big this show would ever get. But that was, that's its prime directive and main mission to this day. Along the lines, what we want to do with this movie is raise the bar of what we can and must be expected of us to persuade given the stakes that we're up against here. And then, you know, soon, probably in the next couple of months, we'll find out if we did a good enough job. And with that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by The Dam Starts to Break. On Friday, the CDC announced it's investigating a link between the COVID jabs and the investigation is complete and the jabs are completely 100% safe. That's just about the length of time the CDC <clears throat> reviewed a so-called safety signal in the COVID jabs showing a potential link between strokes and the aforementioned jabs. The CDC announced this so-called review on a Friday news dump, and by Saturday evening, they assured the country everything was A-OK -okay after a quote-unquote extensive review. Just to give you an indication of how popular the new COVID boosters are, take Ireland, for instance, where around 97% of those under the age of 49 who are eligible for the new boosters have not opted to take them. Former American Idol star C.J. Harris died suddenly of a heart attack on Sunday. He was 31 years old. Yet another classified document has been recovered from Joe Biden's residence in Wilmington, Delaware. The latest discovery came on the same day. A special counsel was announced to review Biden's handling of classified materials, both as VP and when he left the Obama administration. Speaking of Biden, he spoke at Ebenezer Baptist Church over the weekend. And let's lay one thing to rest. I may be a practicing Catholic. We used to go to 7.30 Mass every morning in high school and then in college before I went to the black church. Not a joke. Andy knows this. According to reporting from Fox News' Bill Malugin and Customs and Border Control, approximately 170 countries around the world were encountered at the southern border in fiscal year 2022. So far in fiscal year 23, that number is already 140 countries. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis provided an update on what's going on with the state's relationship with Disney. So, um, you know, what I said was last year uh, that Disney will no longer have its own government. Uh, Disney will live under the same laws as everybody else, and Disney will pay the debts and taxes. And that's exactly what's going to happen. So the question was always, is it going to be under state control or local control? I actually, initially, when we did the bill uh, to sunset it and we knew we were going to have to take additional action, I was agnostic between those. But then what started happening was you had Orange County saying they were going to raise people's taxes by thousands of dollars and doing this. Now, I think that was all a dog and pony show. But then I'm thinking to myself, is that really something that, that I want to uh, uh, allow them to be able to do? Do I trust them being able to handle the municipal debt and all this stuff? And so I'm not uh, I, I'm not uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in that. So it's going to be a state control board. Um, there is absolutely there's absolutely going to be accountability 
uh, the corporate kingdom has come to an end, and that will be the case when this is enacted. 74 sheriffs in the state of Illinois have vowed to ignore a bill just signed into law by Governor J.B. Pritzker banning semi-automatic rifles. One of the sheriffs, Darby Bow, said in a Facebook post that the U.S. Constitution supersedes Illinois' new law. This is the new owner of the Miss Universe pageant, who is, in fact, a dude. The Miss Universe organization. From now on, it's going to be ran by women, owned by trans women, for all women. For all women really around the world to celebrate the power of feminism. And now this, here's a so-called all-ages drag show which took place in Dallas, Texas over the weekend. Members of the Dallas City Council were reportedly in attendance. Um, here's to you and here's to me and here's to those who look as we're repeating. Oh, I'm not done. Now here's to me and here's to you and here's to those who look as we're repeating. Cheers! Why do you guys think children belong in drag shows and what would you say to people who are trying to outright ban it? Well, I don't necessarily think they belong in drag shows, but it's parents' choice to take them or not. And I decided to bring them out tonight and, or this afternoon to see Daphne because we're co-workers and support her, and there's nothing wrong with that. We already pre-warned them about the foul language and dirty jokes, and they said that they hear that at home, so it ain't no different. Rack sh**, rack sh**, dirty old sh**, 69 dude sh**, tied in a knot. Sucker mother gobble gobble screw. We're at Buzzbrews, where the f are you? Tweet from the Washington Department of Health, transmasculine persons with a cervix should talk to their doctor about cervical cancer screening and the HPV vax. Find an LGBTQ welcoming provider. And finally, in Boston, over the weekend, a new sculpture was unveiled to honor Martin Luther King Jr. As those of you watching can see, it's a pair of disembodied arms lifting up a gigantic turd. Can't make this stuff up. And that's what happened while we were away. All right, let's get right to Aaron's mom because I spent too long talking about what transpired in Nashville over the weekend. You, again, want to talk about perfect snapshots. A perfect encapsulation of the nearly three-year ordeal we have all suffered from is your big pharma-captured government finally deciding 18 months too late, mind you, Finally deciding 18 months too late that it will investigate the safety of the poisonous jab. Informing us on a Friday news dump that it was going to do so. And then a mere 24 hours later said extensive review completed. Keep up the poisoning. Dale Hydra. Your ancestors fought redcoats for a lot less than that. A lot less. A lot. A lot less. If mass poisoning the populace via non-existent powers that the Supreme Court later ruled were unconstitutional and you didn't have, if that's not an impeachable offense by a president, can someone tell me exactly what is? What is? What, what, what is the point of what, what, what's impeachment exist for other than Ukraine phone calls? If it's not the mass poisoning of the populace by imperial edict 
with non-existent powers that were later ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. If that is not an impeachable offense, what is? In the land of invincible ignorance, there is nothing. Indeed. Or as Aaron told us late last week, a banana republic, if yeah. you can keep it. Yeah. Cue in the border numbers that Aaron just presented it, into his montage. Your point, uh, replace the vaccine with transgenderism. Right. When my uh, wife and I uh, tried to get on the school board in Carlisle, thought the same thing. If this isn't, a, you know, if this isn't the message, you heard me talking in here, uh, that pe- will resonate with people. And it did in other places. Not there. Why? Because I realized too late how many people like the woman who took her own children to the drag show there are populated. I didn't fully realize how the, a level of critical mass well beyond what I thought. Look at the women that stood happened. up and cheered at the Miss Universe contest. I, I just did not know. As a guy is literally yes, taking I, their womanhood yes. away from them, had, and they stood up and cheer it. How could I know that until I saw it? A 90-year-old dementia-riddled white Catholic from, the, from Delaware stands up in a black Protestant church to claim that 70 years ago, that's the church he, he attended a church like that, which we all know he never set foot in. Okay? Ever. And they just clap like seals. Knowing they know it's a lie. He knows it's a lie. He knows that they know it's a lie. They know that he knows that they know it's a lie. And they just clap like seals anyway. Like the women that stood up up and gave an applause to a guy for taking their distinctiveness away from them. What do you do with that? Nothing other than defeat it. Yes. There is nothing to do. There is no reasoning. There's no negotiation. There is nothing. It just has to be defeated. Period. That's all there is. And you look at the guy. You know who understands that? The damn governor of Florida does. Yes, he does. You watch that clip. That is not a governor, dude. That's a general. That's a general. That's like Eisenhower in front of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. All right, so the Germans moved their troops here. We're coming at them from the east and the west. We're gonna, we thought maybe they might take advantage of the season, so we're going to bomb that. Man, that's what he's giving out. Yeah. That's not governing, dude. He's not governing there. Those are, those are, war, those are wartime orders. That is, a, that is a general presiding over his council, and, and they're sitting there. These are troop movements. These are counters. Yeah. Oh. This is how we counter their counter. This is then when we come in with the air support and we come back tactical this way. That's not, the dude is not governing down there. He is just simply waging war. He is laying waste to opposition. That's all that he's doing. And when scripture tells you, don't worry about, you will say, I will provide the words at the appropriate time. The dude never, he may have note cards. He's never reading from a text. You can just see it is spirit that is being exuded from him. He knows exactly who he is in this moment and who he's supposed to be. And it all, that's why a place like Florida has been just, find it's refreshing. They get the opposite, left, right, all the time. Local, federal, all the time. They get canned nonsense. You're seeing a real spirit-driven human being right there, and it is good, true, and beautiful. The key thing that he says right there, of all of them, is, yeah, you know, I, my ideological bent was to go ahead and let it be local control. Yeah. But then I looked at who the local control people were going to be. And they were going to make you feel pain for Disney's mistake. Yeah. And I'm not going to give them the power to do that. Yeah. And it reminded me of some of the arguments I had with some very principled friends of mine around the 2020 election and whether Mike Pence had the authority to decertify. Do you remember my answer at that time? I don't care if he did. And frankly, I, the more I read the constant, my reading of the constitution, I don't think that he could. I don't care. And I don't care. 
Why? Because it's a social compact, not a suicide pact. And I'm not going to hold myself to a social compact that the other side of the compact has violated. And the other side of the compact is planning on you holding yourself to it. Correct. That's, the deal. That's their entire strategy. Yes. Their entire stratagem is you will continue to bind yourself thusly while they, of course, continue to shred. No. We're not going to do that. We're not. You're not going to get away with stealing from me to my face because of some, you know, prudent, precise reading of the Eighth Amendment. Not going to do that. No, because there's a higher law and the higher law than the Eighth Amendment says thou shalt not steal. Correct. Mm. And so what law should we enforce first man's or the higher law? The laws of nature and nature's God. Always the higher one. In a few weeks, I don't think I've announced this yet. In a few weeks, I am going to go and speak at the University of Chicago Law School. That is our first scheduled day off of the year, barring winter happening to one of us and sickness. Okay. And that's essentially going to be what I'm going to discuss. You are being taught the practice of law here at this esteemed institution. But are you being taught the source of it, the substance of it, the essence of law? What is it? And you better figure that out before you get out of here and go out into the world that is very, very confused about what laws are. Like, don't we have laws on the books against contributing to the delinquency of a minor? Correct? Mm -hmm. And yet, all ages drag shows including lines about licking my uh, uh, licking yeah. my sphincter Sheriff. exist in all in, in places like Texas. And sheriffs and police can't simply and be bothered. They, they can't. They can't. Uh, what's that? I mean, we have child abuse laws, do yes, we not? We do. And we have just ch- parents just openly abusing their children, flaunting it because we're not a nation of laws. And this is something I will make very clear to the students I speak to at the University of Chicago Law School next month. We are not a nation of laws, and we never have been. We are a nation of political will, and we always will be. That's what we are. And we do not have the will to enforce the law, lawlessness reigns. And that's what's reigning upon us now. More in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Brownie batter is back over at Built Bar. Just the latest in so many of their incredible flavors of the greatest protein bar of all time. You no longer have to choose, particularly this time of year when we're all making resolutions. Don't do that, by the way. They never work. 
make lifestyle changes, right? And one way you can make a lifestyle change is if you've got a prodigious sweet tooth like me, you stay on the straight and narrow with our friends over at Built Bar, the greatest protein bar ever made. You will not believe that even their most decadent flavors are under 160 calories. The most, m- most of them are under 140. Packed with protein, not packed with carbs, calories, and grams of sugar. Y- y- you just think, where's this thing been all my life? So many great flavors, all of them covered in real chocolate. Get 15% off right now with my last name, Dace, as your promo, promo code. When you go to built.com for Built Bar, built.com for Built Bar, promo code Dace. D-E-A-C-E, promo code DACE, for 15% off at built.com. Let's welcome back our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. Good to see you, Bob. How are you? Doing really well. Good to be back. So we were discussing in the context of some other issues, um, just a, a clip of Ron DeSantis from a, a, from a couple of days ago, talking about he's not even governing, really, at this point, just literally just waging war. It was like watching someone, it was like watching Eisenhower preside over a joint chiefs of staff strategy session. All right, mm-hmm. we take the enemy out here and then we come in with tactical support and air support here. They're going to do that to counter. Then we, when they do that, we bring them into this ridge, annihilate them there. I mean, he's just like laying out how they're just going to, he's going to use the power that was given to him by the people of Florida. He's found a rhythm. Yeah. To just what lay, it is. He's found a rhythm. lay waste and like the Klingons, he doesn't take prisoners. Yeah. And... I think that's a good segue to what is going on here with our governor, because one of the things that we talked about a couple of years ago, when DeSantis kind of became the face of the COVID stand resistance, is, you know, she doesn't have his bombacity for sure, but, you know, we actually, he, he, he did issue a state of a stay-at-home order at first. We mm. never did. We're one of the few states that never had one. Um, we were the first state to do reopening by gubernatorial decree. Um, uh, we were re- we were reopened as soon as May one, back in in 2020. We were the first state uh, to resume high school sports. I mean, in the summer of 2020, we we were doing national high school sporting events. People were coming here from all over the country to take part in national sporting events. You know, like they would any other summer. So it, it's been without the fanfare, and. In a place like Iowa, you don't necessarily have the target-rich environment that you do in a Florida, mm-hmm. right? Okay. But with that said, she has certainly picked fights here. She gave her condition, Kim Reynolds did, her condition of the state address last week. And, and she's decided now that, that she's going to lay down the gauntlet on school choice. Tell us about it. Well, first of all, I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, I'm a big fan of Governor Ron DeSantis, what he's doing in Florida, but he has a platform in Florida that the national media is really, really paying attention to. Uh, I just said the other day at one of the inaugural activities, if, um, if Kim Reynolds or if Iowa was Florida, you'd have the national media following Governor Kim Reynolds as well and be talking to her, talking about her as potential presidential material. Her condition of the state address, first of all, Steve, was uh, just rock solid. Matter of fact, it reminded me of Ronald Reagan, where Ronald Reagan used to say, you know, you call me a great communicator, but it's only because I communicate great things. She was communicating outstanding content and content that she had has backed up with leadership. So not only did she talk about the sanctity of human life and, and her commitment to the sanctity of human life, she gave an example of a family that was blessed by a life with the abortion reversal pill. But then she brought in fatherhood into the mix. 
and why we need to start talking about fathers again and their importance to families because when they're intact with a family, 83% of those men and women, then they choose life at that point. But we, that even surprised us here at the family leader. We thought we knew a lot of what she was going to talk about, but bringing fatherhood back into the mix, that is a huge issue in our culture today and one that we're glad that she's championing. But then she brings up school choice, which, um, which you just talked about. You know, basically the right and responsibility to raise a child belongs to the parent, not to the government. And so for her saying the amount of money it takes for us to fund a public school kid in the state of Iowa will now be following that child to a private school. But we're going to give parents the choice. And I think what it was, Steve, when you put it all together. So I watched her condition of the state address and all the things that she laid out there. It was almost like, holy cow, we could have wrote that thing for her. It was unbelievable. And so we were cheering it the entire way through, but all the way to her inaugural address. In her inaugural address, she gave her testimony. And she said, you know, 20 years ago, I started living one day at a time. 20 years ago, I decided to be the mom that my daughters deserve. I decided to be the wife my husband deserved. And I used to think it was about pleasing others or, you know, having to put down others. She goes, it's about doing the right thing. And she brought in the scriptures of, I don't lean on my own understanding. But what she was saying, even during the pandemic, I knew I was going to take arrows. So why not take arrows for doing the right thing? Treat Iowans as adults. But Steve, I really loved it how she summed up her inaugural address where she said America needs Iowa right now because Iowa still works. And that's why you experienced the election we experienced in the midterm. And we thought the whole country would be that way. But it also shows why leadership matters. And so we were thrilled. It was a great week here at the Family Leader showcasing a governor that we wish every one of our states had. 15 years ago, I was on the big blowtorch here in Iowa, News Radio 1040 WHO advocating education, mass education reform. Republicans had just captured 60 of the 100 seats in the Iowa House. Mm -hmm. Advocating huge, uh, massive education reform where the funding followed the student at the building level, wherever a student wanted to go. Since parents are going to get taxed, you know, all the years, you know, my oldest working for you guys now here at the Family Leader. You bet. She never set foot in a government school classroom, right? But, but, they, got, but they got $13,000 for of, of, uh, of student funding fully the government did for her all 12 years that she never set foot in there mm -hmm. one time. Okay. So if we're going to do that, was my argument, if that's, if that's the funding mechanism, then you get to take that funding with you wherever you cho choose to go, whether that is a charter school, a private school, a religious school, a home school. If the, if, if, if whoever, someone gets that third, someone make the various entities compete for that $13,000 per question. student. Fifth, now, and I had high, the highest level of ranking Republicans at the time. Look me in the eye or come on the show. Tell me I was nuts, crazy. No one would ever go for that. And yet 15 years later now, here we are. How'd we get here? Well, how we got there is, first of all, as I always said, you know, the public. And I, I used to be a public school teacher. I was a public school high school principal. And I always said the public schools will implode upon themselves. And the reason is because it's no longer about teaching and learning to the children. It's about an indoctrination to the children. You know, we get to teach you about should you be a boy or do you feel like a girl and gender really doesn't matter. But, you know, you can change it. It's, it's fluid in this case. If you want to visit a girl's restroom and you're a male, you, you go ahead and do that. If that's how you feel. You, we have drag queen story hours. We can teach all this garbage. Well, what it is, 
is that religion is being promoted. And basically what's happening is that the public schools are imploding upon themselves and parents are demanding that they have a choice in their education. Because like you, Steve, saying, we're paying all this funds for this garbage. So at least put us in control of where our kids get to attend the schools. That's how I believe we got here. The left, in your words, has outkicked its coverage. And because of that, other states have been leading. I mean, take a look at what Arizona has done as well. And other states like Iowa are now following suit. And the one thing that we know, because my, my whole thing is don't abandon public schools. I was raised in a private school, but I uh, served in public school. Don't abandon the public school. But the only thing that's going to make the public school better is competition. And competition is when parents are in charge of their dollars, of where they send their kids. And now the public schools, whether it be Dallas Center Grimes or it be Boyden Hall or it be Ankeny, they now get to decide about teaching and learning and raising the, raising the bar so that they get to attract those kids. So if the public schools are concerned, they need to up their game and to, uh, and to compete with these private schools. Now, the thing is, and we've seen DeSantis do this in Florida, you know, when he took over a lot of the same Republicans that were part of the surrender now before it's too late surrender caucus were still in the legislature. Oh, sure. So he had to move them. He had to lean on them, had to call special sessions to demand they act when they were inclined to, you know, just Republican their way out of a situation instead. Here in Iowa, she wanted to do some of this last year. Right. Yeah. Last now she, couple of years. Now she came back this year, actually, and went even further than what she was proposing previously. But she wanted to do some of these more. Um, we would call them more moderate, but the system would still call them extreme mm -hmm. education reforms in the last couple of sessions. But there weren't enough votes amongst Republicans to do these because people in rural communities are like, well, you know, we'll people will go to different schools to play sports. We'll lose our identity and things of that nature. And and I, as if, you know. The fact your your foot. Let's just say I don't even agree that that's true. Okay, so uh, someone's going to drive an hour to go to Dowling Catholic in the heart of Des Moines mm -hmm. from you know Glidden Ralston High School every year. I mean, come on. But 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 let's just assume that's true. You're basically making the argument that you guys winning the Podunk State Championship next year is 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 worth injecting more of Washington's poisonous. Um, mind toxin into the into the into the community and into your state for a t you know for an indefinite period of time. Where are your friggin' priorities, man? Right. Well, so what is she going to do about that? Because that's part of waging war. You sometimes you got to wage war against your own side. Well, first of all, she waged war, but it happened to be about six months ago. Mm -hmm. It was called a primary. Mm -hmm where she even visited with us in our ministry about, you know, we don't need more Republicans. We need more conservative leaders. And so, therefore, what can we do about it? And that's where the family leader inserted itself into six races. And Kim Reynolds endorsed in every one of those races. Now, one of them was way late. That was against the education chair who was pushing back on this because his wife was a public school teacher. Mm -hmm. And he was still allowed to be the education chair, you know, opposing the governor's agenda. No one thought that we could take him out. But we went 6-0 and oh in that primary. And what has happened is that she has reshaped the legislature basically to one of her core principles and priorities, which is school choice. So she waged war the way you can wage war, and that is you get involved in primaries. Now, a lot of governors go, I'm not touching a primary because, you know, we're all Republicans, right? Or the ones that typically get involved, get involved against people like us. Exactly. But like this, her predecessor in that in Republican <laughs> governor, for example. But, but um, 
Exactly. But in this case, she got in. She got in for the right reason. She got the results that she wanted. And that's why she's not going as timid as she did, say, a year ago. Because mm-hmm. a year ago, the, the amount would have been like 5,200, 5,400. Now it's up to 7,600. But now she's saying, I've got the legislature. Let's go. Let's get this thing. And let's give parents the real choice. But I think what's going to happen in those small school districts as well a lot of small school districts in Iowa, probably a lot of the other states that uh, your listeners are, are tuning in from, a lot of small school districts have closed. Well, now if you've got 7,600 a kid following the student, there's going to be some creativity in these small school districts again to say, you know what? If we can, if we can pool 100 kids, look at the amount of money that we have, and let's meet this education with excellence. We mm-hmm. don't need all the three. You're going to get some creativity, and that's See, what that's should an, happen. I think that's an excellent point. Why can't it work the other way? Exactly. Why, why, why it can. can't it be, you know what, why don't we get our family the hell out of here? And we'll put you in a small town school where they're maybe not going to try to poison you. And you can go play sports in an elite level there. And we can live a quieter life. And we don't have to work. I mean, that 7500 bucks goes a long yeah. way towards making that happen. Why does it always have to work the way the, 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 against us? Why can't it work the other way? Because well? you're serving the system. You're not serving the best interests of the parent and the student. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, in school law, which I took, there's a phrase called in local parentis, in place of the parent. Mm-hmm. But in local parentis means the parent still has the authority. And that's the thing that Kim Reynolds recognizes. So now we're, we're saying, okay, what's in the best interest of the parents and raising their children versus what's in the best interest of the system? Because what you're going to see out of this, I really believe you're going to see innovation. You're going to see creativity. You're going to see private schools excel. But I believe your public schools are going to get better. And you're going to start to see some rural school districts reclaiming their turf of saying, we will educate our children. Thank you. So people listening, let's close with this question. People listening around the country right now saying, how did you how did you guys get from 15 years ago when Steve Dace was talking about this on local radio, the Republicans called him crazy, to now the Republican governor is actually um, engaging in primaries to make it happen? How did you do that in Iowa? And I can't get it done in Texas. I can't get it done in um, Arkansas. I can't get it done in Alabama, West Virginia. These tra- these far more traditionally deeply more deeper embedded red states. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give them right now in the next two minutes? Well, first of all, I think it, it goes with it takes it takes a lot of people to come together uh i mean god raised up a kim reynolds uh when governor branstad named her lieutenant governor our our bar was set pretty low like i'm not sure what she's going to bring to the table i think she has proved god doesn't always call the equipped but he equips the called and she is sold out to him and her testimony gives evidence to that but I think in addition to that, Steve, not just to, to tutor our own horn the family leader, I think what has happened in the past 12 years in regards to inspiring the church to engage government for the advance of God's kingdom and the blessing of family has been a huge piece to this. Because when you see these pastors coming to the Capitol, when you see these pastors having, engaging the governor, engaging the state legislature, they, they provide a bold and courageous spirit, but they also provide a, a, a compass, a template, a foundation, a plumb line of what is truth. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to to the why, just not to the what. Let's just don't keep doing business as usual, but really let's make the change. And I think this is what Kim Reynolds said in her condition of the state address, is that she looked at him and said, um, if this is not about me and it's not about you, this is about the children, it's about the parents. And if you say it is not about that, what you're doing is you're protecting a system. 
if you're going to protect a system at the cause or at the cost of these children and of the parents, you know, then basically shame on you. But because of taking the arrows where it's during COVID, because of taking the arrows, because of her testimony of 20 years ago, I think she's thought, you know what, I'm still going to take arrows, but I'm going to take them for doing the right thing. Hmm. Good stuff. Really good stuff. I mean, it was a great week for us. uh, The reality is a, a lot of the times this doesn't happen in places where you are living for two reasons. One, because you elected a bunch of people with ours after the name that just don't agree with you. They're not dumb. They're not stupid. Um, uh, they're they're maybe a few lack courage, but really it's a lack of conviction. Yours, they don't have mm. them. Uh, and then number two, um, it just it just isn't demanded. the The demands that are made are to be nothing other than just uh, uh, you know don't better than Hillary. Don't, don't do any. Don't don't. We have no higher standard other than be better than the people that are openly advocating for the destruction of the country in which we live just that that's it you want to talk about low bars often that's the only bar we set i'll give you the last word 30 seconds well i think what is really an encouragement to those listeners that you just talked about that this may not be happening in your state we have more freshman legislators 53 of 150 going in this year and most of those are on fire to serve an audience of one they Good. know why they're there. So primaries matter, elections matter, but then understanding why they're there matters. And you're a big piece of letting them understand why they're there. Good stuff, brother. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Time to ask me anything when we come back. Stay tuned. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. with hour two live and on demand right here on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with aaron mcintyre totters and all of you and you can let us know hopefully not all of you at once but all of you can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox steve at stevedace.com that is the email address, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe Gab. You can also follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. And then finally, look for me as well over on Truth Social, at Real Steve Dace, where I may be the only man in America, simultaneously shadow banned on Truth Social and Facebook, and I'm proud, damn proud, to be on that exclusive list. If you are a podcast listener, please, if you've yet to do so, leave us a five-star review. Um, if you like us, if you don't, you know, don't lie. We wouldn't ask that, of course. But if, what if you're like, well, I mean, I think the show's okay. I don't mind it every now and then. Then we would totally ask that you exaggerate. All right, we would ask that. There's no commandment against exaggeration, correct? Just about bearing false witness, right? Correct. All right, so we would totally ask you to exaggerate 
if you generically generally like it, we would uh, demand or maybe request is a better way of putting it that you completely exaggerate. Uh, not make it up whole cloth, but exaggerate, embellish some, uh, and leave us a five-star review. Thank you to all of you that have done that for us already, and please hit subscribe or follow as well. This portion of the show brought to you by, otherwise known as Ask Me Anything, our very first Ask Me Anything of 2023, brought to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. Remember when Merck, the manufacturer of ivermectin, dropped out of Operation Warp Speed because it didn't think it could create a safe vaccine in the time period that was being requested. So showed a modicum of restraint, right? But then when Ivermectin was threatening to compete with its competitors' vaccines, <laughs> issued a press release calling the drug it had won, an, it won a Nobel Prize for um, uh, dangerous. Remember that? I do. Remember when the FDA took hydroxychloroquine that it had been proved uh, for since what the 60s I think it was or the 50s for uh, safe and effective use remember when they suddenly said that it wasn't uh, safe and effective these are things that happened these are things that happened and then remember when we let the shycoms make 80% of our antibiotics and found out we don't have enough amoxicillin because China's uh, government and economy is rot gut at the moment Remember, all these things have happened in recent times and are happening to us right now. And you haven't even gotten to the gas stoves yet, Steve. I have not even gotten to the gas stoves. I wouldn't mind, though, getting to some um, some uh, lethally injected gas, you know, putting talk. some of these people after a fair trial in, I- in an isolation room, right? And watching them draw their last breath, I have no qualms with it whatsoever. After, I mean, assuming they've, of course, been fully adjudicated and prosecuted by a fair trial. We will dot all the I's. Yes, we will cross all the T's. Because I am, I am reasonable. Yes. But you never know when the next medication they will let's go, Brandon, uh, or like amoxicillin away, or uh, that they will try to take away from us, to kill us. You'll never know when that happens again. That's why be prepared with our friends over at Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, J as in jump at this right now. J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Their Jace kit includes venerable antibiotics, including amoxicillin, that after you answer a few questions um, and you'll get the Jace case that is doctor created and doctor recommended to make sure the next time they try to kill you or the next time they let's go Brandon us out of some something in short supply, you have the supply of healthcare and medication that you need. Get $10 off your purchase today with the promo code DACE10. DACE10, D-E-A-C-E, DACE10 is the promo code for $10 off at jacemedical.com. It is time for the first time here in 2023 for our Ask Me Anything. Todd has the questions. Facebook has provided them, at least those of you that are allowed to see my Facebook posts. Uh, You have provided the questions. Todd has uh, cured them, selected them, and Aaron is ready to fire away. Do we have good questions? Oh yeah, and we're we're playing with live ammunition right I out like of the it. gate. I would imagine it's been it's been like a month since we've done one of these, so people should be raring to go. You are going to be called Sean Hannity immediately. <laughs> All right, here we go, Aaron. You're up by a five star reviewer, nonetheless. Uh, we will begin with uh, Kobe M Man Twenty Two. Hey, Sean. I mean, Steve. The twenty House Republicans did the absolute minimum they could do. And now, after everything that has happened to us from the establishment party, they're going to be paraded as heroes? Why are you carrying the water for Chip Roy? I'm, 
I'm very I'm, confused. I am confused and I'm happy to entertain this comment or question, but I would need to know something first. When he says they did the minimum they could do, what did he want them to do? Because that well, would help me that would help me to determine whether he's accurate. Because you know me, you're, you're not going to slip a flawed or faulty premise by me. I, I, I'm not the kind of guy that just feels a compulsion to a- answer a question because you asked it. If your question's full of crap, then I'll, I'll deconstruct your question. I'm not saying yours is, by the way. But what I would need to know to answer or determine that is, what, what did you want them to do instead? What, they, what did they not do that you wanted them to do? My wife and children are out of town when all of this was happening. So I ended up watching a lot more of this than I would have otherwise. <laughs> and people were cracking back at me when Chip Roy uh, changed his vote, mm-hmm. as did others. Mm-hmm. And we saw the, what the concessions were. They, they said it, 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 McCarthy is never, ever going to be held accountable uh, to those. We, we cannot trust him. We should have endured. I don't care if it took two years. Who cares? It would have been better than letting him in. Okay. That, that was you just, and so just basically stand there like a wall and just let it go, which let's face it. All of us on some level have a little bit of sympathy. Uh, oh, uh, I have, for, I have, I'm, I'm, if that's what you think well, but I think that's what he said. Just stay there and keep saying no, no. I, I actually no, have a no. lot of sympathy yeah, for that. Yeah, I have, a, 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 what is, in fact, not just sympathy. Um, I agree, okay, with that. So I think um, that's probably it. I, I absolutely would concur to have that, uh, to have mounted a head as a trophy to make an example. I completely agree with that. But I'm angry. You know, I'm an instrument of vengeance. My, I don't, I'm not a member of Congress. I don't, I'm not an institutionalist. If, if there's a difference between Chip and I, is that Chip still, and that makes sense. He ran for Congress, right? And it makes sense why I told him not to, okay? Um, that's a difference between Chip and I, uh, is that he absolutely believes that some good can still be extracted from the institutions with the right amount of conviction. Not strategizing, not, um, you know, uh, not appealing to the angel, the better angels of people's natures, not through some uh, beautiful speech or words that maybe they thought, oh, I guess I hadn't considered your very valid point. Let us reform. No, he, he just believes through sheer will that just as the, just as these institutions that all come out of our traditions, he believes that just as these institutions that come out of our traditions by sheer will were turned against us they can be by sure will turned back at least to some degree. And it's, it's almost like he ran for Congress. I wonder as a, as a bet because within our private group, there is much division about this. And you can probably guess like what side Daniel and I are on. Okay. But we're not, there's other people in this group that have, that have chips view. Okay. And, and in fairness to them, how many days in Congress have I served? Zero. Zero. How many of these people have I had a chance to truly, with legislation on the line, with a key vote and a key moment on the line, mano we mano, peer to peer, we're in the same peer group here, we work for the same company basically, had a chance to sit down and assess and look eye to eye. Few. Very few. Yeah. So, on some level, I have to defer to him that he has some level of knowledge of this, given his integrity. Because I, I will say this too. I've never met a, fan or a finer man in this business. 
that in, 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 within elected office. Never. Never met a finer man. So I am inclined to trust that when my instincts are similar to yours. I believe I believe when I believe I tweeted out a couple of weekends ago when this was going down and they were getting attacked or a couple of weeks ago I and a bunch of my peers were demanding what's your plan wasn't that I think Ben Shapiro was saying that what's your plan yeah and I tweeted my response tweet was here's the plan you bleed you bleed for a while that's the plan. Y'all can't be bothered when there's y'all can't be bothered when election day becomes election festival. Y'all can have seven, eight, nine, fifteen, eighty-five, three thousand and five speaker votes. How you like them apples? Here's the new plan. The new plan is you bloodsuckers have been taking blood from us. You bleed now. That's the plan, and I like that plan. You bleed. That's where I'm at. I, I don't believe anything can truly righteously be extracted from these institutions except by the defeat of them. I might be wrong. I don't know. I do know if I will be proven wrong, it'll be men like Chip Roy that will be the reason why. Because anything short of that, and there's no way there's any chance within these within these institutions. So I am not just merely sympathetic to your view to some degree. I share it, actually. But just as I said a second ago, that on some level I have to defer to Chip because he does know these people and know more of them and about them than I do, and he has earned my trust and respect then I think on some level when I say trust him to take the deal, I probably know him better than you do too, right? Yeah. When him and I disagreed about the election, did I back away from that? No. No, did I Did I not air my disagreement about that? Correct. Correct. So if this thing goes squirrely, and so far they got McCarthy to vote for the rules changes, and they got the full house to vote for them. I, I actually thought there was a chance the full house would not vote for them. And they got and McCarthy got the full house to do that. Then we saw Crenshaw lose his bid for, for chairman of Homeland Security Committee. All right. They wanted they, they, they didn't want six different committees all delving into the administrative state and the FBI over here and, and Fauci over there. And, 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 and we get maybe some shallow thing, but they wanted one one over overriding committee supervised by someone that the conservatives respect like Jim George. They, they got that right. So, so far it's been, it's been a week. What have they, what did they get that has not been honored? Nothing. Nothing to my knowledge. Nothing. Yeah. So you have to tr- see. And if see, it was, we'd hear it from Chip Roy. Yeah. You have to trust the most. You want to know what the most important reform is that they got? Because this goes to, what's this gentleman's name again, Aaron? Remind me. Uh, somebody, Kobe Yeah Man 22. Okay. Kobe Yeah Man 22. <laughs> All right, if that's you. The most important concession they got is the ability for one member of Congress to at any point in time stand up and make a motion to vacate the, cha- the speaker chair you and call for a speaker election. McCarthy by the testes. Yes. But see... And this goes to the point that you'll, you'll notice. Go back and watch the interview I did with Chip last week. Yes, I, get, I, I, I made a lot of glowing comments and asked very favorably framed questions based on what they did. But did you hear the last question I asked him? I think it was the last question. I think the last question I asked him was, do you guys realize that you guys have put a precedent on yourselves too? You heard me ask him that, right? Yes. That now that you guys have shown you are willing to go to the mattresses 
if they, the next time they try to screw us, no, notice I didn't say if, mm-hmm. the next time when they try to screw us, our people are going to expect that you guys go to the mattresses like that again, right? So like you get up tomorrow, Kevin McCarthy decides, you know what? Anthony, Anthony Fauci's retired and retired now. Let's just move on. The country's back to normal. Let's just move on. If, if I don't see Chip Roy exactly. in 48 hours making a motion to vacate the chair, we're having a come to Jesus meeting right here on Blaze TV because this is every bit as much about them yes. as it is about, about Kevin. Yes. Because they signed off on it and Kevin gave them the mechanisms by which to not just say, trust me, I'll fulfill it, but they get to hold them accountable. So there's accountability on both sides here. Moving on, we will go to Samantha Kerner-Fett. This is uh, one of our Ask Me Anything questions. Uh, What is our best argument for school choice as it relates to fighting the typical narrative from the left, like public money for public education or public schools are already underfunded? The The number one budget item in every state government in the United States is education. Next to energy, more money is spent in the education sector than any other sector in the economy. What do we have to show for that? Some of the dumbest damn kids in the world. That's your answer. Can we park it here for just a little bit? I have a question Mm -hmm. as it relates to... So I, I believe outside of the life issue itself, school choice in this day and age, perhaps has the biggest potential to make a positive impact for the nuclear family Mm -hmm. as any other issue. Not injecting Satan's youth ministry into your kitchen table every night? And, and, you know, the number one objection of homeschooling or private schooling, and it's a legit one for a lot of families, is an economic one. So having that money follow the student, big deal. My question is, so the the, the thinking is, um, you will be able to put that, well, I think it's $7,600 or whatever Kim Reynolds here in Iowa is proposing mm-hmm. towards a private school tuition, which won't cover the full cost at most places, um, at least not in high school anyway, but it makes a huge dent in it. What's going to keep a Des Moines Christian or a Dowling Catholic from knowing, hey, all of these families that were paying us this much and could afford that, why don't we just raise our tuition by $7,600? Hopefully the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the answer. That's the answer. I mean, you mentioned one school in particular. You and I both have children attending that yeah. school that we're paying out of pocket for. Yeah. I we just had a conversation about trust and reputations. Yeah. First of all, I wouldn't give my money to when I first started paying for Noah to go there, I could not afford it. I had to figure out we were literally scratching pennies to come up with an extra 10 grand to make it happen. Now, I can afford it in the last few years. Nevertheless, if I thought that that kind of school yeah. was capable of, I wouldn't give him my money. But then number two, you never know. A, a Pharaoh arises who knows not Joseph, right? Right. Principal leaves, superintendent leaves, somebody new comes in. This is um, Steve Dace and Todd Erzin are the answer. Yeah. yeah. And, and or, or, or variations of people and men like us all over the, all over the state and all over the country at these kinds of schools, like, hell no, we're not doing that. No. You know how refreshing it is to go over to that school and just be a dad named Todd. And to my knowledge, I've never heard you complain once. You're just no. a dad named Steve over there. But if you want to get the version of Todders and at Carlisle, do and that. I, yeah. yeah, do that. Yes. And you'll that'll get, do it. And Steve will be right there too. Yep.
Yeah, I've, I have prided myself on giving my name and reputation being a very low maintenance oh, yeah. parent there the last few years. Okay. Um, and um, I haven't had to be anything else other than that. So there you go. But there may again, that's, that isn't about the institution. That's about the people that are currently in charge and running it. And yep. the next generation of people could be from the Rick Warren school of we're just uh, it's it's the uh, Christian school growth movement. Right. You know what I'm yeah, yeah. And that gets to Aaron's question. And so this is where your elders or your learned parishioners come in and put their foot down and say, uh, that's going to be a no dog. Yeah, we don't do that here. And by the way, about your more general point of the importance of this issue overall, Aaron, uh, we're learning in real time how correct you are because uh, uh, that's why Katie Hobbs stole the election in Arizona. She is right now trying to reverse that um, mm-hmm. the first state to go whole hog in on school choice. That is exactly how important it is to these people. They don't have as many children as we do. They raise their children differently than we do. They don't have another meaning that those those embedded into the spirit of the age system or what the new testament refers to as the beast okay um those embedded in that the reason they take over these institutions and this is why i call it satan's youth ministry this is how they pass on their legacy this is how if you're in a same-sex relationship you're not having children the old-fashioned way you forsake, you forsook that to, um, to activate the nerve endings in your genitalia in the way that you felt most activated. You gave that up. That's the trade-off you made. Well, how are you going to pass on? You have no progeny, so how are you going to pass it on? That's why it's Satan's youth ministry. You do it through the school system. So... Of course, it makes sense that Arizona that was on the vanguard of this issue, that that would be one of the driving forces for Katie Hobbs to steal an election because odds, odds in the future that a freed up education system produces a state whose, whose last few statewide candidates are John McCain, Jeff Flake, and Katie Hobbs. Do the odds go up or go down with a decentralized education system, do you think? They go down significantly. How significantly? Who knows? But they go down significantly. And that's why. This is their feeder system. This is Satan's youth ministry. That's what it is. Out in the open. Next up, we go to Bill Way, who says back in 2001 after 9-11, there were conspiracy theories about the government being involved back then. I didn't think that it could have been possible. Now, given all that has transpired, I have a hard time believing they were not involved or, at a minimum, allowed it to happen to put the Patriot Act into effect. Do you think this is the case? Were they involved or did they allow it to happen? So... On, on this particular question, well, first of all, on all of these questions of this nature, at this point in time, my generic default setting is uh, to Fox Mulder, okay, and question everything. And then I think we can, and, and then I think we can address these on an individual basis, okay? Um... When it comes to 9-11 and it being an inside job, 
the thing you have to consider is I, I go back to when the Democrats claimed we were invading Iraq for oil. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. I think you and I were talking about this at the time, and I'm like, I sure as hell hope that's what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what empires do. They, they invade lesser countries or countries that are in their way or countries that um, cause them harm. They invade them and confiscate their resources. That's the order of things, and I'm absolutely all for it. I'm, I'm for that. So I hope that's what we're doing. I mean, I, I didn't really believe... You remember you and I talked about this back in the day. I didn't believe we were actually attempting to bring democracy to Iraq. I thought that was just the noble lie that we told. I really believed. In fact, I was hopeful that we were going to start hauling in the refinery trucks, trucks from that Dick Cheney was going to drive them himself, actually. Like drive the Halliburton refinery trucks through Baghdad himself. Okay. Um, my plan, actually, and I said this on the air at the time on WHO, Iraq should be the 51st state. Right about the time I was calling for education funding at the building level, my foreign policy at the time was Iraq should be the 51st state. We confiscate all the oil. We put all the Halliburton rigs and refineries over there, pump the poop out of that oil out of the ground. We only charge $40 a barrel. That is the stayed consistent price locked in. Doesn't move. $40 $40 a barrel, that goes to all of our national interests and all of the interests of those who are in the quote-unquote coalition of the willing at the time. All right, $40 of a barrel, $40 a barrel, you get it directly from the U.S. Iraqi Oil Consortium. All of the money, we keep none of the oil or none of the money. We don't need the money. We have so much, we just print more money than we'd make off of that oil. We give the Iraqis back the oil. We bribe them with their own oil. We refined it. We brought it out of the ground. We refined it. We made it the petro stock and commodity that it is in the world today. We give them back the money. We pump it back into their economy, create for them an industrious class, a worker, uh, a middle class. They get McDonald's too. Yes. And have a nice life. Here's your money. And all we want is cheap oil to sustain our superpower status in the world. Now, which plan do you like better? The one I articulated back in the day on WHO or the one that we got? Because I kind of like mine. I don't believe you would orchestrate an inside job like 9-11 and then not actually do what I suggested. And yes, they got the Patriot Act out of it, but... We've had whistleblowers and we, everything about that, everything, Iraq was such a failure. The worst foreign policy failure in American history, Vietnam included. One of the worst foreign policy failures in empire history and all of human history. Iraq was such a systemic failure that now we have more resistance to the surveillance state. In fact, most of the surveillance state we have now is actually self-imposed through our adherence and slavish devotion to things like social media. I love when people tell me, well, I'm not going to pay for Blaze TV when I can just, you know, get it, I can just watch clips for free on YouTube. You didn't watch that for free, Merle. Facebook knows everything about you now. Everything. 
I remember one time a guy sent me a note when we first, do you remember this, Aaron? We first, our show first got up on YouTube and a guy sent me a note about, why am I seeing, man, all these porn ads? Why am I seeing all these porn ads for your show? When I, when I watch it online, we're like, Hey bro, uh, Google tailors that to your interest in what you look for and you search. No, gee, you didn't get it free at all. <laughs> you paid a lot more than the 10 bucks a month Blaze TV's asking, my friend. That's the surveillance state now. The government's not trying to get Twitter and Facebook to censor you because it has more power than those entities do. It doesn't. That's why they're joining together, Skynet, into one fascistic algorithm. Google is the fulfillment of what page the page they wanted the Patriot Act to be. So what when did they get out of this? You're going to orchestrate 9-11 and then come out of it and there's less authority, less power, and less faith in your system than ever. See what I'm trying to say? It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. I guess you could say that it was poorly schemed. They didn't think it all the way through. I mean, I don't know. I kind of think that if you're like, if you want to know what a well-oiled machine looks like, you're looking at it right now. It's called the poisonous jab. We get the Republican president to put Woody Johnson up on his stage. You know, the Woody Johnson who was putting asbestos in his baby powder back in 2018. Put him up on his stage the very day that the F, that the CDC says his jab's not safe. Make him the fake. Only Nixon could go to China. Only the drain the swamp president could forge the never-ending, unwavering alliance of the private of fascist in the private and public sector and think he's doing it because of a panicky good. What you're seeing now. Yeah. Yeah. We looked at uh, your poisonous jab on a Friday news dump 24 hours later. It's all clear back to injecting the pregnant women. That's a well-oiled machine, homie, what you're seeing right now. They covered all their bases. They paid off all the media that was doing investigations. And the Reuters now does the fact checks for Pfizer and Moderna when they were the ones that did the investigation against J&J back in 2018 to find out they had asbestos in their baby powder. So I guess if 9-11 was an inside job, it was pretty shabbily done looking at the the, the aftermath of what it accomplished, which was not much, not much. This one is a well-oiled machine. We got people just collapsing right on national TV as we watch Monday Night Football, and people are like, peace out. Now, this is more for your liking of what you're thinking of. You want to know what it looks like when they really got plans, and play their plans have plans? It looks a lot like this. That's why they did everything they could to stop Elon Musk from buying Twitter. Because you can't game plan for the richest man in the world gets red-pilled and can buy and sell you. What do you do? Right? Yeah, yeah, there's no... I mean, you could kill him, you know? We've seen that, Jeffrey Epstein. But, but that's it. That's all they have left to do at this point. So there wasn't a game plan for that. But they've cut us off at every turn. At every turn. One of these whack job, uh, I haven't, told, haven't even told you guys yet, NewsGuard or one of these uh, fact-checking agencies came at me over the weekend. We're going to start monitoring your show. I didn't even respond. What are they going to do? 
I'm already shadow banned on Facebook and YouTube by far the two largest social media companies. We monetize zip zilch. Is there another show rated as as highly as ours does that generates less revenue from YouTube or Facebook? Aaron, go. In, in the whole industry? No. Probably not. So what's NewsGuard going to do? Well, now they're going to really ban me. Okay, cool. What I mean, I'm, I'm judgment-proof at this point. But see, that's, that's a well-oiled machine. What you got out of Iraq was not. All right, back here, final segments here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Your final chance today and this week to ask me anything. Questions coming from Facebook selected by Todd. I've not seen any of these in advance. I do want to note, I was scrolling through my Facebook page today and one question in this thread asking for ask me anything showed up. And because, pardon me, because of the nature of the question, I decided to answer it. It's about how our... Um, Liberty Square Conservative Review works. And so I just think that it's good to answer those kinds of procedure questions when we have an opportunity. But I haven't seen the rest of these questions, so I just wanted to make a note of that. Okay. Aaron, what's next? Michael Gibbs asks, could you expand upon your idea on the church and the quote-unquote idolatry of love? Where does the balance lie between empathy, truth, and love as it relates to those people dealing with identity issues and other issues around sexuality? That's an excellent question. So how do we turn love into an idol? Well, we can turn anything into an idol. I mean, we, we can turn, yeah, I mean, right now we're trying to get more Americans into church, but it's very possible to turn your church into an idol, serve on every committee, do every function, um, uh, because that's where you're getting your identity, your sense of purpose, and and spend more time serving on, on church activities than actually communing with the one who gave us his church. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we can, we can turn anything into an idol, even something as noble and virtuous, real virtuous, um, and righteous as going to church. We can turn marriage into an idol. We can turn raising our kids into an idol. Okay. Um, because anything that we, that we put front and center in our hearts as the place or the path or the process or the purpose by which we derive our meaning, that our meaning, our significance, our connectedness that we allow to take the place of God where he, sit, he should sit there in that inner room in the heart becomes an idol. So, the Bible says God is love. It does not say love is God. No one loves us more than a bleeding savior, tortured, brutalized, bleeding out at the height of the afternoon sun on a wooden cross. Exfixiated. Dying of thirst, can't breathe, hurts to breathe in and take a breath. No one loves us more than he does, right? right. No one does. 
I mean, how love knows nothing greater than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And he did so in about the most brutal fashion you could possibly envision. The worst form of capital punishment and torture in the ancient world was crucifixion. And that's how he laid his life down. It wasn't just like, it's, it, it's heroic enough to jump in front of a, a car and saving a life or a bullet, right? That's an instantaneous likely form of death. He chose the nails, the most excruciating form. And yet, the same one who did that for us, the greatest example of love the world has ever or will ever say, also said, depart from me, evildoers, into the den of iniquity. I do not know you. It'll be better for Tyre and Sidon, pagan, pagan worship centers on the day of judgment, than for those amongst God's people who rejected me and your apostolic message. When they, when they won't listen, when their hearts are hardened, come up with a very clever way, maybe a quadraphonic, no, that's not what he said. Um, uh, kick the dust off your sandals and move on. Who has a better understanding of what that means and what turning the page, Bob Seeger style, on people who, and, and what that means for them on an eternal level than the one who, upon his death, descended into hell himself? Who knows better than him? And guess what? All those things are love too. Because God is love. Love is not God. God answers foreigners' question. You want to know what love is? Look at God. When God says to the Israelites, let me, let me put an even finer point on it. When Christ says to the Israelites, go into Canaan, slay everything. You're the control-alt-delete button here. That's love. When he stretches his arms out wide on the cross, he says, forgive them, they know not what they do. That is love. Similarly, when my children mouth off to their mother, and I break my foot off something proper in their backside. That's love. When I take my kids to Universal Studios or Disney World, that's love. So who's determining what love is? Is it us? See, if we try to do it, it becomes an idol. If we let God do it, it becomes a mission. That's the difference. When we try to do it, that's not very loving. Says who? You? This week's sermon, we're going to read about a guy who tagged his daughter-in-law who dressed up like a hooker while he was away on essentially a drunken hall pass with his buddies. Turn now to Genesis 38. That's not very nice. Says who? You? You're nicer than God now. Who the hell are you? You write the book? Did you seal the words in it? Was that you up on that cross? Then shut your hole. Know your role. Shut your pie hole. Sit your ass down. Take a knee. You, we don't determine what's loving. God does. And the Lord chastens those whom he loves. One of my buddies growing up in high school, I haven't told this joke in a while, 
wanted to grow his hair long during the mullet phase of the late 80s, you know? And his old man was a Marine. And by the book, staunch conservative Catholic wasn't having it. So one day we're swimming over at his house and his dad's had a cocktail or two. Nice summer day. He thinks, I think the old man might be lathered up enough. I'm going to try. My buddies are over. We're all having a good time. I think maybe I can, I think I can maybe slip one past the old man. And he looks at his pops and he says, dad, let me grow my hair out. And then he tried to Jesus juke his pops. Said, Jesus had long hair. His dad suddenly sobers up like he had nothing to drink the entire afternoon. And he looks right at him in front of us and says, yep. And you'll notice that his father made him walk everywhere he went to. Meaning, I'm not buying your car if you let your hair grow out. No. It's a great, I mean, that's one of the hardest I've ever laughed my entire life was at that moment. But the truth of the matter is, it's really not far from the truth. Jesus begs the father, take this cup from me. Does the father take it away? No. No. Why? Love. Because of love. Yeah. Because of love. Joseph is told at a young age that he will be the patriarch of the family. He will rule over the family. Now here's what he's not told. The path to getting there includes a couple different rounds of slavery. <laughs> All right. A lengthy prison sentence. Okay. And all and and in in both cases um unfairly. And the prison uh, sentence for being accused of something you did not do. Why did God let him endure that? Why? Love. Cuz of love. Cuz God loves his people. And Joseph needed to endure those things so that he would be there at the moment high ranking within that government to save God's people whom he loves. From a famine. You're not nicer than God. You don't love better or more than God. You're just a fraud or a heretic. Next question. Got about eight minutes left and eight questions remaining. Nikki uh, Batides Morley says, should we begin to form small communities to grow produce, livestock, sundries, etc., and trade with? This is really a rhetorical question. Which means you already answered your own question. You should do whatever you are empowered to do to require the least from the beast's system that you need as much as possible. When possible. Dennis McCullough asks, this is not a dig at Todd, but knowing that there were other divisions in the church before Martin Luther, the Greek Orthodox Church, for example, why are Catholics like Todd so angry about the Protestant revolution? Reformation, not revolution. Okay. It sounds like that. that's actually the language Catholics yeah. use. <laughs> I feel like I'm being, do you guys see this story about this super PAC raising money for a Trump or for pulling people on whether they want DeSantis to run for president, but it's actually a Trump super yeah. PAC. Have you seen this? Yeah. I kind of feel like you just tried that on me. All right. 
fine print there. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I mean that's that's actually the language that uh, that Todd's tribe uses to describe that moment in history. We don't call it the Ref- revolution; we call it the Reformation. All right, and so um, next question: You disqualified yourself. Nice try, though. That was a nice try. I saw I saw what you were doing there. I see you working. Jason Dinsmore says. I'd like both your and Todd's input on this. I'm from Michigan, but a Green Bay fan. I've long said Rodgers is overrated and can't deliver in big games. He's won one Super Bowl all these years of high numbers and very good teams. I don't think Jordan Love is the answer, and I'd like to see Rodgers gone. If this happens, I would like the Packers to make a huge play for Lamar Jackson or less of a play for Baker Mayfield. If you want Baker Mayfield instead of Aaron Rodgers, in any, if, if, then you might want to consider that you haven't successfully completed rehab. There's so much crazy in this thing. <laughs> That's why I love it. Yeah. I mean, I don't overrated by any statistical measure. Guy's going to be a top five, six, seven quarterback of all time. And he's got a Super Bowl ring. Something several guys in the Hall of Fame don't have. So Dan Marino, Dan Fouts, just to name a couple. Winning Lamar is so Jackson, hard. Lamar Jackson, by the way, doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. Now, if you want Lamar Jackson at this stage of his career over Aaron Rodgers, I don't have a problem with that at all okay but i mean the baker mayfield thing come on man come on come on come on now uh we'll move on to linda marshall if after the release of the fourth reich joe rogan calls and wants to have you on to discuss it would you do the interview or not why or why not without hesitation because it's the largest singular broadcast audience in the western hemisphere at this point Minus like a major <clears throat> breaking news event. You know what I'm saying? Like minus that. When I, I mean, I, let me rephrase. It's the largest singular commentary audience in the Western Hemisphere at this point. So that's why I would do it. You bet. Peter Deborah Metakea uh, asked, outside of the New York nursing homes, was there really an instance of a super spreader during this quote-unquote pandemic? Sure. Uh, there were at least seven other states that also did what New York did to its nursing homes, like Michigan, for example. Michael Stevenson says, Why are certain calls in the NFL immediately corrected while others are not? With sports betting legal in most states, shouldn't the NFL want to keep the game honest rather than endure criticism for certain calls? I think this is an excellent question, and I think we are five minutes away from, whether it's the NFL or another sport, some form, especially because they're partnering and marketing with these betting firms. You're looking at, this is something when we did the sports show with Kurt Schilling and I here that we were talking about with the, you guys remember the Rams Saints NFC championship game where literally a mugging takes place and two referees are looking right at it and don't call and don't throw a flag. And we were both commenting at the time, Hey, in a year or two when sports betting is everywhere, like it is now. Okay. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine you wouldn't face lawsuits. How are you guys not adjudicating this fairly? That, that missed call like like the, the NFL admitted that the Lions got screwed and the, the officiating in the Seattle game was bad. By the way, one of the officials in this Seattle game, Seattle native. Why would you even do something like that? I'm not saying he was crooked. He's probably not. But why? E- See, in an era, because of what you're talking about, where things are being openly wagered on, we have all kinds of conflicts of interest and insider training when it comes to the stock exchange, right? I don't know why. You're going to eventually have that when it comes to sports betting, too given the amounts of money being wagered here. I think you're looking at class action lawsuits. Hey, you know, I lost a bet because of your fraud, your incompetence. And you and you and you're advertising, you're marketing for me to bet. That's part of your marketing message. So yeah, I could see that coming in the future. You bet. No pun intended. 
Uh, let's see, Rob Courser is up next. He asks, how do you respond to others with whom you share most values and worldview, but have bought into the more fringe conspiracies like QAnon, JFK Jr. Lives, and White Hats, White Hats riding in to save America? Um, a lot less skeptically than I would have a few years ago. Okay. I mean... You answered this question with what you said about RFK at the beginning of the show. Yeah. I, and, you know, to be fair on that one, I was a major Kennedy assassination conspiracy buff mm -hmm. as a teenager. So this kind of, you know, fed that old, you know, Jones. But to me, I, I'll go back to what I said a minute, a few minutes ago about the 9-11 question. At this point, I think, we, it, I think it's okay to literally question everything, everything as a general rule, but then I think you have to look at the questions and the caliber of the questions you're capable of asking at each of these individually. Otherwise, you're going to come across as a moron. You know, like one of those people that's still convinced that, that, that Trump will be president in 10 minutes. All right, final one. Christopher James Johnson, which would you rather have on January 21st, 2025? DeSantis as president, 25 more Chip Roy's in Congress, five Ron Johnson or Rand Paul's in the Senate, or 10 red states with governors like DeSantis? Uh, the the final one. If I had 10 red state governors like DeSantis, I wouldn't need DeSantis as president. Now, now you're literally building an alternative economy. You're building an alternative country. You're building a consortium of, of states to push back. You're building a counterculture. You're doing, you're doing the opposite, but, but in our direction of what California and New York and their places did, and what their blue cities do. So if you if I had ten DeSantis governors, I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't give a turd about the presidential election. There's a, in fact you'd probably have to stop me from rooting for a Democrat to be president, just to see because just to see what examples could be set by those ten DeSantis like governors, which had the potential to way outlive yeah. one presidential administration. Look look at all the good that look at all the good stuff Trump did in his administration. Almost all of it, though, was by executive fiat, which means 10 minutes after Joe Biden took the oath of office, almost all of it was gone, right? Mm -hmm. Give me 10 DeSantis-like governors. Now you're talking about setting up things that outlive yes. their tenure. Again, that's why Katie Hobbs had to steal an election. Correct. Correct. That'll do it for today. We are back again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck, right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.